Paul Lambert und Karl-Heinz Riedle 1 zu 0 für Borussia Dortmund. Moin Moin und Kiel, Ahoy! And why have I said that, Colin? Welcome back to the German Football Podcast, and we're back with another episode. Today it's myself and Colin. Colin, how are we doing? I mean, I've just kind of gave away a slight uh, hint to something we'll be speaking about in the podcast, but uh, it's me, myself and you today. We're going to do a bit about the Abstiegskampf in the Bundesliga today as well as talking a wee bit about uh, the lovely city of Kiel, where I had the unfortunate to visit uh, at the weekend. But yourself, how's it going? Moin Moin und Kiel Hoi. Uh, why did you say that? I think it's because you went to Kiel at the weekend. Um, but aside but, from that, I'm very well. Exactly correct. Yes, that's, that's exactly why I said it. But um, nice one. Uh, I just realised this is the first time we are doing the, the podcast together in a very long time. We keep making the same joke every every time we're on together. It's the first time of this year, but it's not. But uh, it's been a long time. I'm, I, I've already said I'm disappointed with your backdrop. You need to up it from last the last backdrop. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure you'll work on that as well, won't you? Put some scarves. I mean, the backdrop at the moment is a kitchen door. It feels a bit strange to have. I don't know, like a Hansa Rostock scarf hanging over your kitchen door. Uh, but I can certainly do that for a, a Wednesday night when I'm recording with with my good friends. Exactly, exactly. So, as we mentioned at the very start, I would like to kill Ahoy, uh, kill Ahoy, because uh, although it's not really a groundhopping experience uh, due to work, I managed to visit the, the lovely city of Kiel and the Holstein Stadion. So, I thought I'd just give a wee rundown because it was quite a nice experience, actually. And Colin, I actually think this would be a stadium you'd love to go visit. I don't know if you. Um, had plans to do it, but it's it's just one of the stadiums that I looked at and I went, Colin would really appreciate this. It's got very not British stadium vibe, but like all stands slightly different kind of thing compared to other mm. German stadiums. I don't know. Is it one you've always looked at? You know, uh, it reminds me a bit of a, a strange comparison, but the way the way the stand behind one of the goals is the way, like Motherwell. Um, Park, yeah. You know how yeah. Farpark has like a massive two-tier stand behind one of the goals. I know that the Kiel one isn't as big as that, but it's sort of similar. I know they've renovated the stadium a wee bit, like when they first got promoted to Zweite Liga, uh, that, that section behind the goal is like a curve with a track around it, but they've gradually started renovating and that stand's pretty new. Um, I, I like it. I, I think it looks like a, a good one to visit and a, one that's quite close to the close to the action. It definitely was, and like, I was quite actually fairly impressed when I got like once I was inside, outside. Not gonna lie, they were doing up the the stand that we were in, uh, the kind of main stand, so it looked a bit like a building site. Not gonna lie, didn't really feel like a football experience. But I think if you're going to another side of the stadium, uh, it would have been a bit more uh, lucrative to look at. It was a bit uh, disappointing. Yeah. I was gonna ask about that because I, I know that was the sort of remaining stand that. Need a bit of work because you obviously don't really see it when it's on TV because that's the mm-hmm. stand the cameras on. But then when you do get a glimpse of it, it looks like really small. It's, after, it's quite strange at the moment. There's quite a few grounds in the Twice League going through a sort of similar process, like Karlsruhe and Darmstadt as well. Karlsruhe in particular has been just like half of it's been a building site the entire season. Yeah, but it actually looks really nice the other side. Like when you if you turn yeah, the camera, yeah, it actually looks really cool. <laughs> well, like Darmstadt, 
they're doing the main stand now, but at least in Darmstadt, the cameras where the building site is, and you can just see the three stands that are actually completed. Carl's right and one of the normal stands, and then so what you see of the of the game is with the backdrop of a building site, which isn't as good. Uh, Definitely, but like teams uh, what, are similar to Darmstadt. Yeah, and like but like you said, but the new stand, uh, which was actually for me fairly impressive. Uh, so obviously it was a. a it's probably, if you haven't noticed the game, it was obviously Hogstrike Heel has fallen as Vital Bundesliga on Sunday afternoon, um, which ended in a 1 0 1 for the hosts after fairly fairly dogged event, shall we say. It was a struggle, a struggling performance. Couldn't really break them down once Kiel got that, I want to say early goal, but like it, took, it felt like it was like half an hour after kickoff because uh, obviously there was a lot of issues before, uh, well, as the kickoff went on. Um, but it was a. Very game aside, I would probably say a really, really impressive stadium and one I would go want to go back to to start to to be in the stands definitely. Uh, but just a couple of things I picked on when I was there, it was just it was just everything just seemed so close to the action. Like, um, and I think it might be interesting to kind of tell it from a press point of view as well. Like, obviously being in the there wasn't. Uh, a press tribune, shall we say? There wasn't a press box. It was literally just the row of seats behind the fans, which was fairly interesting uh, during the match. But like, I remember just having to go up uh, up to the top of that stand, which is quite small, and run down, and then get through the the barriers and stuff to go onto the the pitch and be, be around the players and stuff. But it was just so strange experience when you go to the Volkspark and you you've got this big massive press box. You've got this lift to take you downstairs to the bottom floor, which gets you onto the the, the pitch and things like that. But at Kiel, it's literally just a couple of steps, um, and just the this like old-fashioned uh, main stand that they've got there, which is actually really nice. And uh, once you're inside, it looks really cool. You had the the, the, the cool ultras off to your left-hand side from this stand. So this is where the, the the biggest dugouts I've ever seen in my life as well. The, the width of these dugouts, and I think I saw someone post, like, how far uh, Marcel Rapp was up the pitch at one point, because that's how far the lines went. It was, like, generally, it felt like it went halfway either side of, uh, into the each half. And um, so it was on this side. You had the Kiel fans there, you had the Haswell fans over on to the right of the, the opposite stands, and you had that big standard, a bit of Haswell fans and Kiel fans. Plus, one very strange American fan, Kiel fan. I don't, I've, I've, not, uh, I've not spoke to any of the, the boys from Hamburg about this. Turned, I went to behind the goal to take some videos of the, the boys shooting, and then all I've heard is, Hey, Hamburg, you suck. And I was like, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> Turned around and this boy, this, this older lad with um with his daughters just standing there going, Hey Hamburg, and he's clocked me. And he, he just went, Hey Hamburg, you suck. Hey Hamburg, you can't score a goal. And it was probably the weirdest experience of my life traveling to the very north of Germany to be confronted by this ex- estranged American shouting abuse at me because I was obviously wearing my ass back here. But I thought that was quite an interesting experience. I, I've never I've never really bumped into an American at a German football match before. I like the idea that you represent Hamburg, and but just pretty much by yourself standing behind the goats. It's Hamburg, you suck. Yeah, and yeah. Hamburg jacket like sort of represents the entire club. It was I, I'm trying to think of an, an American link because you think Americans they maybe there's a lot of American footballers in Germany. They might support one of their countrymen, but I, yeah. I can't think of a can't and think of a cool nothing... player. 
maybe he just knew that lives there, Colin. Let's, let's not just assume that he he's, he's not. He's, he may be one of Americans and knows where Europe is uh, and gets himself across. But um, very strange experience, shall we say? I don't. Have you met an American in a, foot, a German football stadium before, or like heard anyone? It's quite something. Uh, it's not a groundbreaking so. experience. Let's just say it's not. It's, we're not going. They're not no, going to just, jump over. It's a random one. You'd, uh, you can imagine them going to like Bayern or, or Hertha or something like that. Yeah, in one of the big cities. But Mickey was certainly maybe he's like paddled over the Atlantic and his wee boat and come over by Denmark and into Kiel. Good and then been like, ahoy! Kiel, ahoy! And Hamburg, you suck. Which is uh, very funny. I just thought I'd jot, find that out uh, that that happened, and then I. Um, Proceeded to be then insulted by the Kiel fans who were sitting in the row in front of me as well uh, during the game, who turned around and sometimes would uh, give me a good shice has foul, shice shice has foul, uh, which was not fun, did not enjoy that. It was actually a bit of good banter, to be fair. I quite enjoyed that. I felt like one of those kind of like when you're at a lower league game in Scotland, for example, and you get that banter with the crowd and the players or the, the officials and the players. It was kind of like that thing. I kind of enjoyed it, to be honest. So apart from the result, uh, the stadium was really, really, really nice, um, and the fans were amazing. Like to be honest, I was really impressed. Okay, they they hype it up as a, a North Derby. Hasfeld don't um, because Kiel kind of need some kind of derby up there as well. To be fair, so they they hyped up and they said at the end there was a derby league when technically like Hasfeld just look at it as a Nord duel. Um, mm. But the fans were fantastic. They were singing the whole time. The the uh, kind Andra Stats. Um, which uh, is the, the the song they played before the game, uh, which is really, really impressive as well. It's a song that um, I actually quite like listening to just normal because it's a good song. Um, but like, it's when that was on, it was really nice. And uh, there's a point when it just goes, uh, it goes really quiet. And everyone just, it says like keel and then everyone goes, ahoy. And it's really nice. There's just random boat noises come out sometimes from the tannoys. It's just a big, would come out every now and again. And when they scold, like the, I got, I generally got fright with the the, the, the sound of the ship just like when they went in because like you heard the crowd going up and then you heard the brrr, and then obviously Nelly the elephant packed a trunk which I don't know what's got to do with you. Uh, I didn't know there was elephants in it's the north. It's a bit Germany. bizarre because it's uh, it's Hanover's goal song as well. I don't, yeah, I don't understand it. Makes no sense. Uh, north of Germany love their elephants, but I would uh, definitely point uh, just although it's difficult because it was a work trip. Um, I would definitely say that. Kiel was worth a visit because it was a really lovely stadium. Got to see some of the city, not much, because obviously it was a work trip, but um, it looked like really, a really interesting, uh, groundhopping experience, and one I think you'd enjoy, Colin. Um, Just so a, a question. Kiel, Kiel being a northern city, is it a, a fish broken city? Is it yeah, very, I think very possible like, to obtain well, a fish broken? Well, I would, I've got to admit, I didn't actually get to eat anything at the stadium. Uh, there wasn't even media um, food which was quite disappointing. Um, so I couldn't tell you. I didn't I didn't really get to see people uh, eating bad. You'd assume they would probably be around about this, the stadium as well. If not, you could probably get yourself a crack and wee crack hour or a nice wee bratwurst with uh, lots of mustard to, to keep you going through. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Flensburger that was on the go, but as, as I was working, of course, was not drinking. Um, so it's always weird being in a German stadium and not having a beer in your hand because that's one of the one things we all talk about. It'd be one of the, the, the nice things to look forward to. So 
Yeah, uh, it was definitely uh, worth a visit to Hossein Stadium. Full house, really nice atmosphere. I think if you manage to get uh, an experience like that, uh, where it is a full house or there's at least a good uh, setup, there was the, obviously there was the pyro and stuff from the home fans that did it in a nice way. Obviously, the, 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 the fireworks and stuff that stopped the game for a good 10 minutes was a bit disappointing uh, for the Haswell end because kind of like what you want the, the team and the club and the fans to be together, not stopping the game and getting into the players' heads for the 10 minutes. But yeah, anyway, uh, I thought that was quite a nice one just to jump in on from a kind of work experience plus being in a really nice stadium. So uh, definitely recommend uh, the Holstein uh, Stadion when you can get out there. Yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit off the beaten track of it. Um, I suppose you tend to look at these grounds of the, the cities that are close by and Hamburg is the obvious city, so maybe maybe a future Hamburg visit it can be one that we, we go to. I would definitely be up for that. Uh, I would definitely um, like to to get another GFP Northern tour uh, on the go, but I think Kiel would probably be, I think now Kiel would probably be the one I say, now, lads, we need to go to Kiel um, if we can, because I was generally so impressed by how nice the stadium was, the atmosphere. It felt like a lower ground, lower league ground in a higher division, but also a really nice community club as well. So 100% uh, would want us to go there. But shall we um, jump on from our Nelly Elephant and Keel Ahoy and get into the main topic themes of the podcast, Colin? Um, the Abstreet's camp, your favourite part of the Bundesliga, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is what I love for. I love for a relegation battle. I don't care about title races, mainly because there never is one, um, pretty much. But I do always like the relegation battle in the Bundesliga. I think that's, I think that's because of the type of teams we support as well. Uh, I think that's we, we kind of have that, um, not relegation mind, but we have that... If we finish above sixth, that's a nice, that's a nice uh, season sort of uh, mentality. So I think I think well, that's I mean, kind of one thing we we are probably the best to talk about the Abstreet's camp because we are so used to it. Growing up, uh, growing up supporting A United and Sunderland, I've, I don't know. I mean, if you combine the relegations between the two clubs in my lifetime, it's probably, if not double figures, very close to it. So I'm experienced at relegations, so I can certainly sympathise with the fans of uh, Greuther Fuert, Hertha, Arminia Bielefeld and the others. That we'll get on to talk to you a hundred percent. So let's uh, let's look at the Abstis camp for this season. So we, we discussed beforehand, I, again, looking at the table, we're kind of assuming the Bochum and Gladbach are, are pretty much out of this because they're not far off Wolfsburg in points, let's just say. So we're, go we're going to start off from Wolfsburg and kind of work our way down because the teams above, although, like we said, Wolfsburg aren't that far away. They are technically, what, four points from 10th and Mainz, but there's just I think there's a gap between 13th and 12th. And it's really, for me, I don't know about you, call but I think, that's, I think there's a big gap there of, where the teams have been this season. Gladbach just pushed themselves into that as well, to be fair, in the top, that kind of top part. Uh, but it's been a it's been a season where those teams from 13th below just really haven't uh, impressed at all. Yeah, I mean, you could argue, you, you say Gladbach have sort of pulled away 
in recent weeks, but you'd argue from Gladbach down, it's pretty much been that old, that own group because there's the midsection of teams like Mainz, Köln, Frankfurt, Union, majority like the likes of Mainz, um, Frankfurt. Uh, I mean, the, the, they've been more uh, closer to Europe. A lot of those teams overachieving, and you consider them having good seasons. When you when you compare to the, the other teams at near the bottom, they've been particularly bad. Like Gladbach, we're probably safe now. Wolfsburg, in particular, sticks out as an underachiever this season. Um, definitely, and um, I think Wolfsburg just still stick into just because of how poor the starting season they were. Uh, they are obviously um, just sitting there um, eight points ahead of the relegation place at the moment, but they are just the whole issue at the start of the season with Mark Van Bommel coming in and just really not working out. And just players, I think, like, let's just start with Wolfsburg. I mean, is, is it, would you, would you agree in like that? It's, the, it's, the, it's more the players haven't really turned up this year for Wolfsburg, it's mainly the issue. Obviously, there's a change of coach, Kofels came in. Uh, Kohfeldt was once touted to be one of the best young coaches in Germany at one point I think something will happen good from there they also had the Champions League but is it the players just not turning up this year because you've got the Metzger who at any, at any given day could probably find the back of the net he's a very good sharpshooter uh, when he's given the opportunity but he's just not doing it this year you're, you're finding uh, players like Baku having a really quiet season Arnold okay he's got a really good free kick, free kick a couple of weeks ago having a quiet season the, the defence has been quite leaky. Um, Castillo's not keeping as many clean sheets. Is, is it the players' problem at Wolfsburg, would you say? Not, yeah. Mm. Well, when you, look at the, when you look at the squad and paper, they're much better than the table suggests, to be honest. I mean, last year they were in the top four. You only have to look at that. So I would say the main issue has been a case of players that they relied on last year not performing, like Baku, uh, Lacroix. I mean, he was one of the best centre-backs in the league last year. I'm sure I had him in my team of the season when we covered that. Uh, he's really had a, a poor second season. Um, even Veghorst, when he was there, they, he was always a player that they relied on for goals, but they dried up. And you could even see from the fact the the big move that he got supposedly was just to Burnley. If, say he had left in the summer last year when his stock was a bit higher, he could have got a much better team, but I think it speaks volumes uh, poor season he had in the first uh, half of the year that he only managed to get really a, a team in a relegation battle in England. Um, I think Wolfsburg just in general have a bit of a reputation as a, I don't know, like a slightly soulless club, a slightly soulless club uh, where they, they pay high wages because it's not really the most attractive place to live so that there's always the the feeling that they pay high wages to attract players to it, like Cruiser, for example. Um, but because of that, as a consequence, it's not really the... Maybe doesn't have the best team spirit, maybe not the best characters at the club, uh, if they're only really there for the, the high wages. Because, I, I mean, I don't really see why for certain players, like Borna, for example, moving from Köln to Wolfsburg, moving from a, a massive, big traditional club where they, they get such great support to a, a club with doesn't sort of have that I suppose you could look at the fact that they were Champions League that's that probably should point that out that was probably a big motivation but just in general I'm not sure it's a club that attracts the, the best which 
creates a, a good team spirit. Definitely, it's, a, it's an interesting one with them because you, they do change their squad quite a lot as well. I think every uh, season, and they do have to sometimes bring in that that player. You know, like they have to, they had to bring in Cruiser, of course, to just kind of bring in an older an older head, an older an experienced player, a player who's been there before, maybe just to kind of pull them out of where they are. But uh, it was also announced um, that um, I think it was today actually that Patrick Vermeer. Uh, a couple of hours ago, actually, that Wimmer is going to move to Wolfsburg from Bielefeld, and you're just there's just these moves from these young players. They're act, they're, they're, they they do become a bit of an attractive um, an attractive place to go. Actually, uh, place like Wolfsburg now, and I think it's interesting considering the poor season they've had. They don't actually have the Champions League, and they still managed to um, lure in one of the Bundesliga's. Let's not say he's one of the best young talents, but he looks like a very good young player that could, could have potential if he's playing in a team that's a bit more confident and winning games especially. So I, I, I definitely get your point there. I think it's uh, it's just one of those teams that it's, they've, just, they've, just, they've just not turned up this year, I think uh, it's fair to say. And you don't really see that team camaraderie and stuff like that going throughout the, the, the Volkspark. Um, it's not the Volkspark. Uh, it's the Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah, the Volkswagen. Again, see, I forget what work. Uh, the Volkswagen uh, Arena, of course. Um, but do you, if you're looking at their running, it's not. The, it's generally not even a good running. Like they've actually got probably one of the most difficult ones uh, with Dortmund, Mainz, Stuttgart, Köln, and Bayern in the last day of the season. But you don't really have any worries about Wolfsburg getting dragged into this, do you? Or do you think that there's something about that? Um, the fact that okay they have been they have picked up again a bit more slightly okay it's only been um like two uh, three defeats in the last uh, six which sounds bad but like considering what how they started the season uh, how they got that midpoint in the season it's kind of starting to pick up do you think there's any worry for them there I mean I, I don't really see them improving drastically the the rest of the season I think at best this season they've been average. And then when they've lost, at times they've been terrible, like losing 3-0 to Augsburg, for example. They were awful in that game. And you can certainly see a couple of the games in the remainder of the season with the running that they've got having results like that again. I think it's just a case of the, the points difference being enough for them. But I, I can see them sort of sticking around 12th, 13th, 14th, not really going anywhere, but just because of the, the eight-point gap there is, between them and the playoff at the moment, there probably shouldn't be too much danger of them getting dragged into the relegation battle, into the bottom three anyway. you think the, the Champions League was a big hindrance to them? Because if you actually look at the results uh, after Champions League uh, games, uh, they drew against Frankfurt, they, they lost to Gladbach, which probably would be a quite disappointing one, lost to Freiburg, which isn't, you would kind of assume happens. They beat uh, Augsburg, they drew with Bielefeld, and they then lost to they lost to Dortmund and Stuttgart. I think the there's there's a couple of resi- uh, defeats in there that could have been potentially a draw or a win without the Champions League uh, pressure on them. I suppose. I mean, like clubs like that do tend to struggle when they go in the Champions League. They're not used to that. Every, like season in, season out. Like Bayern, Dortmund, Leverkusen, Leipzig. I think they're sort of the main four that can probably handle that week in, week out, um, midweek games because they've got the bigger squads. Wolfsburg, once a team like that, have a have a good season every so often, manage to qualify. Um, 
they're not so used to the demands and have a, a slightly smaller squad. That I would say it's a it has been a bit of a hindrance to them. I definitely. It's, just, it's, it's been quite disappointing for Wolfsburg. Um, and for instance, just looking at Kofeld, he'll be there next year, won't he? Like, there's nothing to really kick him out, is there? You can't really. They've had instability recently, changing man, change managers like from Glasner going out, Van Bommel coming in. At some point, I think you have to stick on a coach. And I mean, he's not really done much to convince you. To be fair, I mean, he's, he's had a rough sort of three or four years from his time laterally at Werder to Wolfsburg now. It's really only the... I know he has a particularly good... He does have a good reputation in coaching circles, but in terms of the performance, he's still dining out a wee bit on the first couple of seasons at Werder Bremen where he, he managed to get him a good finish. It's not really been too promising, but there's probably... I don't, I don't really know in terms of the squad issues... Maybe that that needs sorted. I'm never too sure about in the background of Wolfsburg how um, the relationship works out between the coaches and Jörg Schmatka, the sporting director. You always hear about fallouts. I know that happened with Labadia, and he, he eventually left the club. Uh, maybe internally, a, quite a, a difficult club to work with, and it probably doesn't help that reputation if they sat Cofield so quickly. Yeah, and that's like he's probably Glasner as well last season. That's probably why that he was involved, though, as well as him being very impressive there. But like you probably think that's why he was involved in moving around the clubs last season when all the managers decided to have a wee, a wee mix up. But it's it's really an interesting one with them. And like, do you like just lastly on them? Do you do you see them improving next year? Do you think do you think they have to do a lot next year to improve? Uh, to go back to where they were, do you think they need more, a bit of a clear out, or do you think they just need to get those players like I kind of mentioned earlier with the uh, Baku and the Metsha? Because they're really good young under like the, the young players in Germany. They've got sitting at the disposal. Do you think they just need them to get that bit more confidence back, back to winning games, and maybe you'll look at them in the top half of the table again next year? I think so. I, I think the recruitment's quite important in the summer. I, I would say they build a core around the younger players in the squad. I mean, it's all well and good signing players like Cruza, who we know how talented he is, but in, a lot, in the long term, you can't... He's not really a player you want to build the side around. He doesn't really have a, a history of staying long at clubs. So it is the likes of Baku and Mecha that you'd prefer to have a, have the core around the side. Uh, Vimmer, I think that's pretty good signing. He's probably not... You've seen flashes on at Bielefeld uh, performing well. He's still... He's not... No, by no means the finished product, but you'd, you'd imagine it would improve a, a, a slightly improved team. It's players like that. And then I think they'll probably get rid of certain certain high earners that have been maybe at the club a bit too long. Like I know John Anthony Brooks, I think he's leaving. I don't think they're reviewing his contract. That's the sort of player he's not the last sort of two or three years. Probably not been the best in terms of performances uh, so him and others might depart the club and I think it's just really important who they're replacing with I'd say that young hungry players are the answer to that Definitely Let's, let's jump on from Wolfsburg because we can add spoke a bit, with them, a bit much with them there but it's just a it's just a completely different from what we were talking about last year with Wolfsburg it's nice we can say that now isn't it we can refer to 
to, to the archives of uh, where we spoke about the, the clubs last year. <laughs> but it's completely different to what we were speaking about in Wolfsburg last season. What's not different uh, is probably uh, everyone's favourite team, FC Augsburg, or the GFP's favourite team. Uh, they are sitting there in 14th, although after a couple of uh, very, I don't want to say surprising wins, uh, and a fairly decent, to be honest, result, uh, well, performance uh, at Bayern uh, at the weekend. Is there a bit of a turn in fortune here? Because uh, we've obviously won three in the last five, uh, Colin, with um, Augsburg. Do you think there's a bit of a turn in fortune here going into that final run-in? Do you think they'll manage to avoid it now? Well, we know we know what's going to happen. They yeah. do it every single year. This this point of the season, they've got a bunch of players that know how to grind out results at this point in the season. They always just do enough. I think the last five years have finished. I don't know. I heard their I heard their history, their league history, the last five years. It's something like I don't know, thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth, thirteenth, or something like that. Um, and that's just what they do. They don't play the most attractive brand of football. They're not the most exciting team in the world, but they do manage to get the results. I mean, beating teams are beating teams that they should be beating at this point in the season, like Wolfsburg beating Mainz as well last week. Um, you just trust them. You have a, there's a certain amount of trust that they'll get out of it. I don't think many people seriously predict them to be going down compared to some of the slightly more turbulent clubs like Hertha, you, you would trust far less going into the, the final games. And looking at Augsburg's games as well, I mean, Hertha at home next, that's just a magic chance for them to pull clear. I mean, if they won that, then I, I wouldn't have really any worries about them going down, to be honest, because that's that's a good six point that they would uh, get Hertha losing as well, which would be massive for them. And you're also looking at the last games against uh, Fort as well. So assuming that that's kind of dead and buried at that point, unfortunately, that that could be another yeah, that, point. Yeah, that's a big thing. I was looking at that. You, you sort of think the winnable games and Fort, obviously, the bottom of the league is the most winnable game. And Fort are the only team, no, Augsburg are the only team that actually play Fort in the final five games. And it's at home on the last game. So I, 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 you could almost say that as a, a three points that they've got a, a great chance of getting anyway. When you're looking at Augsburg, is it players like Gregoric that just kind of stands out as a player that's just kind of taking this team and just bringing them forward? Because he's been he's actually been very vital in goals and uh, assists this year, definitely. Um, I think he's been... I don't have actually have his stats up right now. I can do that just two seconds. But I mean, he's best. He's actually the best goal scorer with seven, uh, and I just think he's, they've got a couple of players there. They'll just grind out the results. Those are players that will grind out results. Caligiuri, Niederlechner, Andre Hahn. They've just been those players this season that uh, Wolfsburg haven't had, and maybe I know they're ahead of them in the table slightly, but they're, they're those players that teams below them as well just don't really have. They're going to. They're maybe used to this um, sort of. Um, Abshi's camp uh, and will have the, the kind of experience to get them out of it. I think they're, they're quite important when it comes to Augsburg. Definitely, just what I was saying earlier, the players that have got the experience of the relegation battles, I mean, no matter how many players they sign, like Ricardo Pepe, who, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say he's a flop yet because he is so young, but when you look at how much they paid in terms of a transfer fee, 
how much the club sort of built around that signing he's not delivered so far that and the absence of him in the absence of his goals players like Gregory and Han have stepped up I think and they are the ones that they've relied on you get other ones like Nida Lechner hasn't always delivered but he, he's got the odd goal as well uh, Bogerson has always been a good striker but his injury record is so bad that they've had to rely on players like Gregorich and yeah like you say he, he has stepped up and he, he's probably been the key player for them the last couple of months Yeah and Kukikovic as well because he's had um, eight clean sheets which is actually the fifth best in the league Yeah he's always he's always been a keeper I've been pretty impressed by from his days at, at Onion. I thought he had regressed a wee bit since he signed for Augsburg. He'd gone downhill slightly. But maybe that's just misconception. If he's got that many clean sheets, then he must be doing something right. And I, I get the impression he's quite a, a good character as well. I don't know. You just get the impression that he's he's quite a big leader in the team. And a good character to have in that, that uh, relegation fight. Definitely. It's just, and it's like, I think Yago is another one that just kind of goes under the radar a wee bit. And for me, just to give him his kind of only platform, although he's not really con- con- like contributed much with like goals and assists, I think Niklas Dorsch was probably a very, very good signing for them at the start of the season because he has just been very impressive when he plays and he kind of does look a bit not too big, too big in that in that in that midfield, but he's he's definitely came in and kind of made it that midfield his own as well. Yeah, he's he brings a bit of a bit of quality. Doesn't have best injury record, so he hasn't necessarily made as many games as he'd like to. But I mean, you just saw he saw from the goal he scored at Cologne how much talent he has, and yeah, yeah, I go. That, I don't know. They've just got certain players that. They don't stick out. You wouldn't really think of them automatically when you think of like Bundesliga stars. Just certain players that can always put in a, a solid performance. I think Mads, Mads Pedersen has scored scored a couple of goals as well. He's he's looked quite good this season. They're just like sort of understated players. Like so Reese Oxford as well has come on a lot from when he started out at, Og- at, Ox- um, at Oxford. Uh, at <laughs> <laughs> he's a uh, come on a lot I know when I think when he broke through at West Ham was sort of maybe more of a defensive midfielder but he settled into more of a, a centre back and a back three and it, it looks a lot more he looks a lot better for it and he, he's come on leaps and bounds really since he, he first arrived in Germany they're just sort of I don't know I see them might have been a better team this year but I've always seen them as quite similar sides because you don't really think of them as having superstars but they've got a, a strong core of uh, solid Bundesliga professionals that are, you can rely on really and get you out of a fight like this Definitely, I don't know what, what would you what would you say for them going forward is it going to be the exact same thing next year they're probably going to survive and then they're probably going to finish the exact same, do the exact same thing next year look really bleak, pick up a couple of important wins and then just um, stay in the Bundesliga for the rest of their life they will, will they be the new Dino? I mean, depend. I, I would say definitely. I, I can't see them going down next year. I, I see them cont- in the short term. I see them continuing. Um, and if they've got further investment, 
I know they've got American investment and they signed Pepe with. I don't really know how much of an impact that will have in their, their transfer dealings. Obviously, that doesn't always go well. Just look at Hertha with their additional investment. So when you see how that's gone, uh, they just they seem to have a, a stability about them, and it doesn't seem to be affected too much when they change coaches. They've changed coaches quite a few times in the last few years, like Baum and Herlich uh, getting changed about, Feinstein coming back in, and they're not always convincing that. It just seems whatever happens, uh, nothing really changes. There, there will always be a sort of 12th, 13th, 14th place side, and that's probably in line with their expectations. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Just Augsburg, being Augsburg. It's a shame with Pepe, though, because like, I know that was my bold prediction, uh, that he wouldn't live up to anything. And it's, for once, I'm actually kind of right. Uh, I've been proven to be slightly right. Watch him go score 10 goals in the next five games, of course. Um, maybe he should sign for Zandhausen. Maybe he should. Uh, to be fair, Zandhausen are not going to get relegated, so I technically was right. Uh, Zandhausen are the Augsburg of Tri-Liga. They are. They are. They should just join forces. Um, imagine that. Send Augsburg. Send Augsburg. Um, Diekmar would still be playing on the right. Uh, <laughs> but they, I think um, Augsburg just, I mean, not don't want to talk about it too much. It's kind of not an uh, inspiring team to give a good chat about. Um, but what we'll do is we'll talk about one bull prediction and we'll move on to another bull prediction that we made, Colin. And you said that Stuttgart will go down automatically. They're currently the next team in 15th, a point off the relegation spot and a point off of uh, 17th. Do you still stand by that prediction? Yes. Really? I stick by it. Yeah, I, I think so. Partly due to stubbornness, but partly due to the... <laughs> I feel like they've just had no luck all season. It's not, well, it's not all been bad luck, but they're just they've not managed to pull away properly. They've had injury, bad injury luck all season. Silas been out particularly practically the full season because even when he came back, he wasn't fully fit. So I get back, got back into his groove again. Then was out for the season again. Clyde has been in and out. I mean, he was uh, out with COVID on Friday against Dortmund. Now he's back in, but then they've got another couple of players out of COVID. I think uh, Endo isn't going to be playing the next game. Uh, a vital player being the captain. So it just it feels like you could count in one hand the amount of games that they managed to play their strongest side in, and it's it's really come to their cost. <clears throat> just players they've got uh, Thiago Thomas. Omar Marmush, who we've seen flashes of good play from them, but they're just not, they've not got the same end product as the more talented players, Kalajic and Silas. The amount of chances they had against Dortmund, wasted so many chances, didn't manage to score at that. And as much as you'd look at that game and think they maybe wouldn't get anything out of that anyway, it was a bit of a missed opportunity because Dortmund were unconvincing as they always are at the moment as they seem to always be at the moment so it's a it's a sort of game they could have looked at Rose have been under pressure that they they were able to pick up points but they didn't manage to do that and just some of the games they've got coming up I mean they're still to go away to Bayern they've got Hertha away which you look at Hertha at the moment being such a such a state but it's such a massive game that losing that away game is going to have such negative consequences. There's going to be a lot of pressure on them. 
I would fear for their fixtures just in terms of the six pointers like that they've got. They're just not going to be able to pull away, and it's not inconceivable that they slip below the line. You look at the, you know, you're talking about their kind of inconsistencies. See, if you look at March, they were actually unbeaten in the league. But see, if you actually look at the results and when they scored, they scored two late goals against Gladbach to win 3 2. They scored a last minute goal against Union to draw. And they scored two late goals against Augsburg to, to bring it back to 3 2 again. It's not really convincing when the, their, their best month came from games that they've had to come find. Oh, fair enough, it's very impressive for a team that's been really poor and hadn't actually won a game since December when they when they picked up that win uh, against Gladbach in um, March. But when they have won those games, it's not been impressive. It's not been a really solid performance that we, we saw last season with Stuttgart. And is that is that why you think they will still go down because of that? I would say that that's been their strength, though the sort of team spirit. Like those games, you say, but like, earlier on the season, the amount of times they rescued points late on. I remember those games that they were pretty poor in terms of performance, but they managed to get a late equaliser, which undeserved. They getting points here and there, and the, with that, they've shown a, a team spirit that you don't really see from Hertha like, coming back to an old down to Gladbach and then managing to beat them something like that you couldn't have seen from Hertha or Bielefeld I don't think um, but you, you worry that they've had their sort of purple patch in March that was their, their good month and now in the run-in that's them had a defeat and then going away to they've got two away games coming up again so they, they don't win either of those the pressure's just going to build on them and then the final three games aren't easy either I would say Wolfsburg at home is one they should be looking at as a definite three points. That that of all games, they should be looking at as a winnable game. Away to Bayern, you can't really... You've got to go into the run-in thinking you'll lose that and try and get points elsewhere and then going to Kuln, uh, play Kuln at home in the final game. That's never easy. you just got to hope they've got nothing to play for and that, that's a game that they can win. I, I, I definitely it's just one of those teams that just like going at look at that run and you do you do worry like where the like are they going to just focus on those first three games give it their all for those first three games and then see what happens with the last two games and hope that the, team, the other teams around them struggle in those last two games because to be honest that is two very tough games for a team that just hasn't been doing great their goal differences seamlessly better than Hertha's. Um, so if it comes down to something like that, maybe that might help them in the long run as well. But they just... What, like, what did you make of when they, were, when they came out and said, like Stuttgart came out and said that uh, even if they go down, Pe- Pellegrini would uh, still prop... Pellegrini? <laughs> Pellegrino will probably still be there. Uh, Matter What's his name? Mas- Pellegrino Matarazzo. Oh, for fuck's sake. I, like... <laughs> I'm, re- I'm, you know, I'm literally looking at his name, and I just say, I kept just saying Pellegrini. What? Obviously, like Stuttgart came out and said that they would probably that like there's there's a chance they'd probably stick with Matarazzo even if they go down. They're going to lose a lot of players if they were to go down. I think they're going to lose a lot of players either way. I think your likes of Kleijic, Bonasosa are probably going to be gone uh, come next season. 
not too sure about Silas because it's still in, and you don't know if there's an awkward situation there uh, with him moving uh, clubs. You don't really have any aspirations for the next year either. Do you, like, if they go down, would they be a team that would struggle for a year and do like the maybe first year they struggle, second year they can back up? Or do you think that if they stay up, they'll probably have this similar experience? They won't really... Can they Can they get better from what they've done this season, basically? Sticking with Matt Tarazzo and trying to revamp the squad in either league? Well, he's got them back up before. Not full season. He came through. He came in during the promotion season. And it did take a, a while for things to click. They weren't particularly convincing. But the, both times they went down, they've come straight back up, which is a good sign for them. They're, they're, they seem to be a club... They weren't a big club to hear with high debt and bad finances. I'm not really sure. I'm not totally sure about the situation, but I, I think Stuttgart are decent in terms of finances because largely due to the backing they get from Mercedes-Benz. And they've, I, I suppose you just think that if they got relegated, that would be three relegations in about six years, which is a terrible record not managing to prolong get any stability in the top flight um, so you you would think that's not going to be great for the finances but they've also had, there's always been a club with a, a good academy but I've not really recently I've not really seen the players come through in terms of homegrown players I mean when you look at 10-15 years ago the amount of players coming through the amount of players that have been in Stuttgart's academy that are now in the top level like Serge Gnabry uh, Joshua Kimmich, that seems to have dried up a wee bit and they seem to be relying more on uh, the recruitment, the sort of young foreign players like Kalajic and Silas that have come from other countries. Uh, it's whether they can continue that sort of savvy recruitment. We do have Sven Mislintatan, who famous for his time at uh, Dortmund as a, as a scout, managing to get these cheap players abroad um, who worked really well where they can t- continue that. Uh, in terms of sticking by Matarazzo, I'm torn with that. I mean, he's obviously a really smart guy and everything, and he's earned a lot of applause, it's particularly for last season, in terms of his tactics and the, the way he plays. Uh, and it, it's probably... A, stability is a good thing, often, and you, if that works out, then you'd, they deserve plaudits for that. Then you'll give other clubs that have stuck by coaches for too long, like Berda Brim with Florian Kofeld, and whether it's the most sensible thing, particularly with Matarazzo knowing that he's, out, he's safe in his job. Um, quite an interesting situation, even if they do get relegated. But, uh, I'm uh, torn with it as well. It's hard to kind of... I, I just have a lot of... Cor- I feel like I have a lot of confidence in him from the way he speaks. I don't know if he's just... I don't know if he's just uh, articulates himself articulates himself really well but I, I think he's always quite he always seems quite realistic in interviews quite honest and seems to be quite a good quality and you can imagine the players wanting to play for him yeah I think you can you can kind of feel that and you said about that team spirit like that's something that we've not like the other t- the teams before haven't even spoken about uh, there's been nothing really there it was a complete opposite with Wolfsburg though you don't really feel that with them Augsburg are just the, the team that always stay up, but Stuttgart's got that that core team experience, core team uh, spirit, you know, traditions. Brian, I don't know. I'm I'm torn about that. I obviously, we'll give a prediction at the end of where we think they're going to 
end up. But it's just one of those teams he kind of I, I don't know if it'd be you, but I kind of want always want to do well. I don't I don't have an affection to them, but they're just I I'm always kind of disappointed when I see them go down. I would, and I, yeah, I'd, mm, I would say that I would say they're one of my favourite teams because they're a team I've visited. Probably one of the first Bundesliga games I went to was at Stuttgart, and they're all they're always a team that I don't know. I like the I like the atmosphere. It's good, and it's just a club that sort of goes under the radar a bit with its history. Like they've won the league title in the twenty first century. Probably a lot of people forget that just because of the last ten years, and you you probably forget just how big they actually are and how important they are to the city. Uh, so they're a club. I would say sort of I put them in a similar bracket to like Werder Bremen, but I, I do have sympathies with them. Would like to see well, so it is. It's quite painful when you see them struggle and get relegated. And I, I'd definitely say that they're the club that I want to stay up the most. So I think we'll jump on from Stuttgart, and I think one of the ones we mentioned, but I don't think we need to talk about them as much as post uh, as we maybe previewed to be honest, because we've kind of went into a lot of detail of the other clubs, but the team that just don't seem to be doing anything good at the moment or any have any luck at the moment and they've just lost probably one of their best uh, younger players uh, Amina Bielefeld do you have any hope for Amina Bielefeld anymore Colin? Yes but Ooh. it's based on based on a very a bunch of hypothetical situations where I think Frank Kramer could be sacked ah. that's Frank Kramer isn't it? I always get that, I always get that wrong yeah that's right. Man. When I was talking about it earlier, I was looking up Stefan Kloss, and I was like, <laughs> "When did he play for Rangers?" And then he lied to the goalkeeper. So yeah, don't worry. I think I think Bielefeld's a team with uh, lots of names are very similar, and you get very confused. So don't worry. It's like Stefan, Stefan Kloss, Fabian Kramer. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, Stefan Kloss, great goal scorer, a great goalkeeper for Rangers and Dortmund. Mm. Um. um. Oh, the serious muscle. Come on. What, we, this isn't been a funny. Uh, what's my reduction based on? I don't know. I, I was thinking a result like they had at the weekend, 4 0 at Wolfsburg. I was thinking, surely he's got to go. I don't really know what what the situation is, uh, if there is a lot of pressure on him. But you look at last season when they sacked Neuhaus, which seemed to be quite surprising. They were just a promoted club and their expectations maybe weren't as high as they are this year. Uh, and their performances at the moment are worse than they were then. So you look at the final five games, they need a, a short-term boost, I think. So, so someone coming in and, I don't know, spreading a bit of positivity. I mean, the next game is at home to Bayern. Uh, there's a, a very, very small chance they get anything out of that. Going into the final four games, they're up against it. But some of the fixtures they've got, I mean, away to Köln, which is, I mean, that's not easy. Similar to Stuttgart playing them, that, that's not a guaranteed three points or even a point from that. But they've got Hertha at home, Bochum away. Should be looking at those two games, trying to get four points from them, I think. Should, would be massive for them. And just the, these things come in cycles. I mean, Stuttgart had a, a good a good run of form last month, but Bielefeld aren't going to be... I can't see them just losing games for the rest of the season I think sometimes teams can surprise you they've not got a, they've got they've got one of the weaker squads in the league but they do have players that 
can swing a game around like Vimmer, who they've still got until the end of the season. So you can see them pulling off results, and that that, that should the the way things are going. Other teams with, with uh, difficult run-ins that could see them above the line, to be honest, because they are still they're still only one point behind safety even after such a bad run. So they're, they're, they're within touching distance. They've not won since they beat Union in February. And I, I think they've only got one point since then. So you, you just can't see a, a side like that having that same run for the rest of the season. Something's going to come off for them eventually, I would say. It's, uh, it's a weird one, because for me, they're just gone. I just don't... like. I th- I just think that the Mainz game for me was the one that just they looked dead. They looked like conceding three penalties in the same game, three different scorers from the penalties, just getting beat four 0 at Mainz, who have been good this season, but recently haven't been fantastic uh, as well. I think I've getting beat four 0 with Wolfsburg, who like we've mentioned already, just haven't been that great this year. It's not a great look at it coming into the last couple of games. You do kind of, I think the, the, the Kramer leaving could be that kind of spark because you can imagine, like, it'd be very harsh to, to sack him just because they can beat Bayern uh, at the weekend. But I if, feel like, yeah, I feel like after the Wolfsburg game, that was the opportunity to do that because after two away games are so disjointed, the players just look totally, I don't know, like they've never been the same pitch together. Hmm. That, that would be the opportunity. I suppose you, you look at a coach coming in and playing at home to Bayern in the first game, that isn't really the best start for them, but it, I don't know. At least give them a bit longer, the players coming into the run-in. Uh, it seems just that those two games are so disjointed that it's, it shouldn't be off the table. I, I, don't, I don't really, I'm not really wanting to encourage such short-term thinking, but it, it shouldn't be off the table that they do bring in someone to get that sort of shot in the arm going into the final few games because one win and maybe a draw or two could see them safe. You think that the fact that if you had to look at their their um, their games against the teams around them, they've not beaten anyone. They've, uh, they've drawn twice uh, with uh, Fort. They lost to Hertha already. Um, they have lost and drawn with Wolfsburg and uh, the, the only thing looking into the end of the season is that the last two games is Bochum and Leipzig and they actually beat both of them in the Hinrunder so you're looking like they're not getting the results against the teams at the bottom and the teams round about them they've only got one game against that team round about them so maybe that might work in their favour that they, they might snatch results that they did in the Hinrunder as well I think the Bochum game could be quite an interesting one for me because uh, Leipzig, I think, are a different animal to what they were the Hinrunda. Uh, so I don't really see them picking up anything there. Uh, so I think the Bochum game for me is the pinnacle. That could be the game that makes or breaks them. Well, that, that's that's where you look at it. Like so many of the games that they've had against the lower teams have not managed to take advantage and win the game. They didn't beat Stuttgart at home, so a massive opportunity for them. But they mm-hmm. missed. Um, but I mean, they did come from behind and to get to get a point in that one should. It's fair enough. It seems to be over the season. It has been some games that uh, they've. It's been a bit out of the blue. Winning at Leipzig with ten men, winning at Eintracht Frankfurt. I mean that that's 
two games you never expect them to win. Uh, maybe those are the games they, they could look at in terms of uh, getting points rather than, as you say, being under pressure against teams that they're expected to beat and only getting a point, for example. Um, and Bochum, I mean, that you would consider them one of the weaker teams and in that category, but it's a big game for them. It's a derby game and Bochum, by that point, might not have anything to play for. So that, that's a, a big opportunity for them, I would say, as well. Yeah, I should probably correct myself that they did actually beat Stuttgart. Uh, they didn't not get beat by everyone around about them. Um, they, they actually beat Stuttgart, so just in case anyone gets uh, very annoyed with that. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, in fact, jumping ahead, I'm going to get his name right now, call him Stefan Close again. But with like Fabian Close, like having that horrible injury, which looks like he's probably never going to play for Bielefeld again because he announced he was leaving and then doesn't look like he's going to come back. Do you think something like that, just that bad luck, do you think that could actually play on them as well? Like, because such a club, a high figure at the club, and you don't really know what plays in football's heads when things like that happen to one of their teammates if you think that they, they feel like a close-knit group. Do you think that could have a negative impact coming into it? Uh, the fact that he's not going to be there? Because uh, obviously you saw them all training. I, George had a bit of a go at the... He doesn't like the the training gear when a player gets injured <laughs> and everyone wearing a, the, the close nine on the back. Oh, no, I, don't, I don't like that either. I don't like it either, uh, but it's kind of that team spirit and bonding thing that we're talking about. Do you not think that him being there might have a, not being there might have a negative impact on the club at all? Going into such a difficult time? I think he, he seem, he's such a leading figure that you, you, they're going to miss him round about I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to say because, in a way, it might exp- inspire them. They almost develop a siege mentality. They feel like the world's against them. So that's something that spur- spurs players on to perform better. And they can almost feel like they're winning for him. But on the other, the other hand, he's such a, a massive player that a massive leader that he's um, he's going to be missed. But I, I don't think they'll miss him too much in terms of actual on-field play because I, I, feel, I feel like they should be moving past them as an opportunity that they can build around the, the younger attackers they've got. I, I feel like they've done better this season when they've had the likes of um, Sarah and, and Kruger and uh, Okugawa is that the main goal threats rather than close because he, he's not really... I don't think he's scored... In the second half of the season, uh, I could be wrong with that, but I think all, most of his goals came early on in the season. So I, I think he's he's becoming less and less important to their actual play, and he's he's no longer a guaranteed start either. Um, so as mainly the this the leadership side of things that they would probably miss him most, um, but he might he could still be in and about and have communication with the players, which could benefit them. Yeah, you'd hope so, and it's a, it's a strong player to have about. So I, that's it's just always when it comes to the, the the tough end of the season that if you do miss those players around, even if they're still in the dressing room, maybe it does help, but it could be an interesting one come the end. But for me, I, I'm just a bit... They've, lot, they've won the least amount of games, uh, if we exclude um, fourth, but the teams are the better, they've won the least amount of games as well, and just, just picking up wins for them has been really difficult this year, and 
going into that last five games, five games is always a difficult one because, like, if you if you you go into the next two and you don't pick up anything, you're thinking the maximum nine points left in the season. It could be really tricky, but um, I think Bielefeld will be quite an interesting one. Looking like we do the kind of next season kind of look, uh, losing Vimmer is going to be quite interesting for them, uh, just to see how, what kind of money they get in for him. You don't see Kramer being there, though, since you've actually literally said the first thing was you think he should probably go. But do you actually see him there next season if they manage to keep him up? I mean, I, I think he's... If, if it does um, come to pass that he manages to keep them up, he'll earn the right to do that because he'll have pulled off a, a great achievement if he manages to keep them up in the final five games. I just I find it harder to believe that it will happen with him there, though, just the way things have gone recently. And they seem to be, I mean, they seem to be wanting to build something a bit longer term with him coming in. Neuhaus got sacked, he was a bit more old school and Kramer came in and they wanted maybe more of a younger type squad, like more progressive um, side of things. Uh, they wanted to build around him, um, but it, it seems like that is not going to plan. So, I mean, if they get relegated, I, I can't see him still sticking around, but to answer your question, if they do stay up, then with him in charge, then he'll probably earn the right to take them into next season. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's um, jump on to the, the next two teams. And I don't think we'll talk too much detail about Hertha just because we had a Hertha episode, which you should check out because there's lots of historical knowledge from Bob, for example, which is a, it's a great listen. Um, it's a great listen to Hertana. Uh, podcast so um, give that one a listen if you want an in-depth of what happened to Hertha before the last couple of games um, but looking at them you know they've got Braveheart Mark Fotheringham uh, sitting there uh, underneath the Hamburg legend Felix Magat are they also would you like, I, I kind of said that with Bielefeld but do you think they're kind of dead and buried six points from 14th okay they're only one from safety but it's just that, like, they they can only really aim for one position out of the, the like. So there's two relegation spots for them to look at with the playoff. There's only one that's going to keep them out of it. I think it's going to be quite difficult for them. Would you write them off, considering how shocking they were uh, in that derby at the weekend? I'm not going to write them off because the games that they've got are against sides that are round about them and. Beating them, I mean, the whole classic six-pointer, if you beat them, then you drag them right into trouble. That double-header against uh, Stuttgart and Armenia, if they manage to get wins from those games, that, that's going to be absolutely massive for them. Even the next game away to Augsburg, that could potentially drag them back into it. I mean, if you look at Augsburg, if they managed to they lost at home to Hertha, you would be looking at them as more of a, a serious candidate. Uh, so they've got that on their side. And even the final two games, Mainz might may not have a lot to play for in the last home in in the last uh, away game at Hertha and then after Hertha play at home to Mainz they travel to Dortmund which you'd look in paper as a hard game but it's it's not impossible for them to go there and get a result I mean going back into the history books a wee bit I remember Hoffenheim were looking dead set dead sets to be going down about 
I think that was about nine years ago, and Hoffenheim ended up winning at Dortmund. They've got a bit of a history of uh, losing at home to relegation candidates in the last game. And just the, the way, the, the unpredictable side of Dortmund, if that springs up, then Hertha could potentially get something. But then you look at reality and the Derby performance, it was absolutely awful. But that's really the way things have been. Every time they've played Union this season, that's the third time they've lost to them in all competitions. And they just seem to have the hoodoo sign over Hertha so far. Just the way Hertha's set up, just in my guy, he seemed to play quite defensively, uh, you know, more of a not 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 too many attacking players in the lineup, and threw in a young young defender Eichberger and left back, and he ended up getting subbed at half time. That just was a, a big risk that didn't pay off. I don't think that's really going to benefit the player just throwing him into a game like that and having to be taken off early. It, it's not really the best best experience for him, um, but. They, they could bounce back. They do surprise you sometimes. They, that game against Hoffenheim, although that was under the, the charge of uh, Mr. Braveheart. So maybe, maybe they should keep him in, in permanent charge and put Felix Magat on the sidelines. Uh, or behind, behind him in the dugout. Imagine Kevin Beast to Hertha. What a sign in that is, by the way. <laughs> uh, imagine that. Never, never thought the Blue Brazil would end up with the old lady. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's just one of those ones where Hertha has just been like watching that game at the weekend was god awful. Like, and you saw the the reaction to the fans getting making the the players take their jerseys off, uh, and then I thought it was a bit weird. Like the kind of experience heads just weren't there. Like Boyata, where was Boyata and stuff like that? Like they were the like I don't I just and never his race against the. Seeming his race with uh, Sheraldo Becker. Yeah. I just oh, so, I so disappointing. And you're just, I don't know, there's just something about um, something about that, that team and they just didn't even look like they wanted to play that game or they weren't excited for that game, didn't want the Derby experience. <laughs> like they, they, was, they said it was sold out. It was quite electric at times with the atmosphere. I think if you can't get yourself up for that game, the next five games, although you're like you say, you're completely right. Hertha last season, we did say that oh Hertha look a bit dead and buried, but they had games round about them, they had the teams round about them, and they picked up the points and they got themselves safe. Could you see it happen again? Yes. But I, I don't know this year. I see them well, obviously we'll get to that in a second, but I just don't think they will get out of the bottom three. It, like that's my my, my wee teaser before we go into the other, the other part of it. Um, but, like, if you look at next season, again, if they go down, are they, do they do a hash foul? Or do they do a, what looks like a Bremen and a Schalke? Like, they might take a bit of time to use it, but they'll just go straight back up. I don't know. I, I feel like with Hertha, you just can't tell because you don't know what the squad's going to look like because they've got so many high earners. The, the, during the Vintorst, Experiment the last sort of two or three years of signed so many players in high wages that just haven't worked out. Uh, we probably need to get rid of those. Could be a case of like Werder Bremen who lost so many players early this season, a bit, a bit similar. And I just don't know with Vintors not investing the same amount of money into the club, whether uh, to what extent they'll be able to rebuild and bring in good players for the second tier. 
so it's a bit it's a bit hard to predict at this stage. Uh, you'd think they, I mean, they should even if they keep some of the players should be in the higher reaches of the league and the Zweite Liga if they do get relegated. You never know. Talking about them getting relegated again, you kind of thought they would kind of build on something from last season, but as you can hear from the Hatana podcast uh, from the GFP, um, that I don't think, I don't, I just don't really see anything positive coming. Speaking about not positive things, um, well, no, I mean, I don't know. What's your opinion on Greutherford this season? Because I think they've been, they've just kind of like. I think a lot of people were kind of doing the whole, oh, go to first, they're going to get pumped every game. They're going to go right down. They're not going to play well. But that, that's not been the case. They've been very good at home. Okay, they're not going to win. They're not, they've not, okay, they're not going to be very good at home, obviously. But you know what I mean? Like, they play well. They've got a good kind of spirit in the, the, the squad. They've got a good, they play, they don't go, they don't just sit there and wait to get pumped every game. Like everyone says, just because they're that team that's a bit smaller than everyone else in their budget, and their squad isn't as strong. Okay, they've only picked up three points. Uh, sorry, three wins. Um, it's not been that bad, but they've also just kind of. <laughs> I just love how you just how you love how you listed about seven reasons about why it's been that bad, and then you just say they've only won three games. They've they've only done this. They've only done that. <laughs> but it's not been that bad. Well, like I know what you mean, though. In terms you know, of it, like, like, it kind of went under the carpet. A bit as well recently. Like everyone's forgotten about them. Well, I mean, I mean, they've improved. They've improved a lot in the second half of the season. It's been a good effort for them. I mean, for so long they were stuck on about. They were in six points, maybe nearly halfway into the season, and mm. they've picked up quite a lot and got got a couple of good results. Managed to beat Hertha, for example. Uh, it's been it's been a really good effort for them, and as you say, like just. They've not just not really got the quality. I don't think they've been working with second tier squads. The, the signings that they've had weren't really going to be enough to to keep them up. Um, and it, it's it's just it's been a case. I don't think they've they're not they've been trying to play the right way, but they just don't have the quality to score goals. I mean, Hagata he scored a few, quite a few of them penalties, and then I, I just don't feel like they've had enough goal threat or. And their away form has been so bad. They've only picked up just a very few points away from home. Managed to get a good draw at Frankfurt, but a nil-nil draw. You feel like to get points, they've almost needed to get clean sheets a lot of the time because they can't really score goals. Uh, I don't think they've scored in the last few games. I think the last the last goal they scored was when they lost six-one at home to Leipzig, which hasn't been great for them. Slipped slipped down back a wee bit. But I just think like it's been really good to see, uh, but there's never been any talk of Stefan Leitl being under any pressure. Yep. Just because it seems to be like internally or externally, no one in the media has been talking about him being sacked. There's been no sort of signs of discontent within the club with him, and I think it's just because he's they've recognised how great an achievement it has that they've managed to get up in the first place, which. I would like to see him continue in the next season, but I think he could probably move on to a bigger job, to be honest, just because because he has impressed while he's been in charge of foot. Uh, and I think we were we were talking earlier about them playing Augsburg, but the so I mean they're they're practically down. They're they're ten points off even seventeenth, but 
they're not really going to have much of a role even in the running because, as we mentioned, the only team they're playing of the others down the bottom are Augsburg in the final game. So there's not really too much to say. I think they've got a few of the bigger teams still to play. Uh, so it's probably more the European fight that they're going to have a bit of an input in, in terms of the, the significance of their fixtures. Definitely. It's just it's a shame. You kind of want to, like, you kind of, I, I, I say a shame, but like, Everyone did say at the start, like, oh, four Tibbers going to beat them really badly, but they're just, they're not. And they're probably, like, I think the way you said, oh, they put up a good fight. They're going to go down, they're going to go back, probably stay in the Zwicer League for a bit longer as well. You don't really see them going straight back up. They don't, you don't, they don't, you don't tend to see that a lot in the Bundesliga when you see a club like Foot coming up into the Bundesliga. Uh, they've had a good run of it, but it looks like they're definitely going to be, well, I say it looks like they are. I mean, they're going down like that. Unless they manage to pull off um, that. I don't want to feel like we're not giving them justice and speaking about them a lot, but there's just generally not much to input into an Abstreet's camp when they are already already basically down. Um, so I think we'll finish up with just looking at what we both think. So obviously you made that bull prediction in January, Colin, about Stuttgart will automatically go down. From the teams we've spoken about, you can just... Chuck first in there um, from like where they are just now uh, in the table. So Wolfsburg are currently sitting in 13th. Where are you keeping it? Because I'm just going to tell you right now, the, the bottom three for me are going to be the bottom three. I think, okay, I mean, Wolfsburg will stick. Uh, as I said, I think they'll stick to sort of round about the place in the table they are, maybe 12th, 13th. Could swap with Bochum. Potentially, um, Augsburg going to be similar, 13th, 14th. I think they'll be fine. So it probably is between 15th, 16th, and 17th, just what order it is between Stuttgart, Amina, and Hertha. So, as I say, I think Stuttgart will finish 17th and go down automatically. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, the hypothetical situation of Frank Kramer getting sacked and Armenia managing to pull out the bag and finish in 15th. So that would leave Hertha in the playoff. Who I'm also going to stick to my previous prediction in the Hertha episodes of Hertha beating Sch- Schalke in the relegation playoff. Even though they're top of the league? Sticking to it. Oh. Interesting. I like to hear that. So, and then obviously Stuttgart, second second bottom is what you, you'd go in and say, of course. Stuttgart 17th, yep. And um, 18th, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah, I know. I think we both had this similar, like, oh, it's such a, it's such a shame. Um, but I would say that, like I said, like I don't, the the other three, I don't really know where you were going to, where they'll finish up. But uh, I think Stuttgart will just narrowly avoid the relegation playoff. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of, I, I don't know if I, I just want them to. But I think uh, for me, Hertha is going to go to the playoff and Bielefeld will go down automatically. Um, just with the, the games that they've got as well, I just don't really... I mean, I wouldn't really feel so confident on those two and just the way they've been playing recently. I'm, I'm a big I'm a big believer in form. Form getting to the end of the season. You don't, you don't just pick it up with five games to go and start and win five games in a row. You don't do that. So I think they're stuck in a rut and they're going to stick stay in that rut uh, for me. So that's... Uh, fourth, eighteenth, 
Bielefeld 17th, Hertha 16th, and Stuttgart 15th, and then Wolfsburg and Augsburg can have a party uh, fighting for 14th and above with uh, both. So, who are Hertha going to play? Uh, if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have said Hasfalt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this is the interesting one because I was listening to that um, Bold Predictions episode just to see, and it was uh, George that actually said that Pali won't go up and Pali are starting to jump away and they've got tough games coming up but I also don't see Darmstadt making the playoff so I'm going to say Pauli in the playoff um, against Hertha and Hertha will probably beat Pauli that'd be, that'd be quite a good tie I think they'll only beat Pauli just because that's how Union just beat them. But Union are obviously a better team. But I think over two games, you know, like we've always we always say that it's always net favour towards the Bundesliga side, unfortunately. And uh, Pali are just starting to maybe not run out of gas, but like you saw the frustrations in the the game against Bremen uh, at the weekend, that maybe that might just continue slightly and things might not fall their way. But. It's really hard. I can't make a prediction for this. So I think things change. Things change so quickly, though, because I mean, a few weeks ago we thought Berder were the team to beat. They were winning just about every game. But they they've started drawing games. Yeah. And I think the loss against Heidenheim sort of set them off a wee bit. And I mean, to be fair, it was it was probably quite a good result for them drawing away to St Pauli because they really just wanted to avoid defeat there. Uh, but that. that I believe they've still got Schalke to play away. Yeah. I think I'm right. Um, and then you'd look at Schalke at the moment being the team that are winning every game, but that can just as easily change the last five games because you're, you're never going to tr- 100% trust Schalke, are you? Never, never. It's just it's, it's so hard with right league at the moment. I'm literally just saying Pauli because I just, I've just i not really got much faith in Darmstadt. I don't think the team's below them. I know you gave Heidenheim as a bold prediction to, to jump into the film back in, back in the day. Uh, you're a big Heidenheim fan, a big Frank Schmidt fan. I was, I was just, I just, I just saw, my, saw my mind, Frank Schmidt, uh, looking at me. Like, <laughs> like Bendy Heat. Frank, Frank Schmidt with the Bendy Heat. Uh, Robert might enjoy that. Uh, but I think we'll just jump, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll finish up uh, there uh, on Frank Schmidt, of course. And nothing to do with the podcast, but uh, let's, let's just end up there. Nice one there. Back to the back to the old informative podcast, shall we say. Didn't really didn't really take a theme, just kind of stuck to some relevant themes, put them together, and just the two OGs giving a good thoughts on the Abstiegs camp, plus a little bit of Moin Moin and Keela Hoy. See you next time. Ahoy!